Hierdie preek word aan jou gebring dier Shofar Christian Church. Ons vertrouw dat die boodskap jou sal seen. Ons audio en video preke is beskikbaar by Shofar TV. Laat dit geris af en deel dit. We will praise you in every season. Weemore. Ogandet. Oh man, I've forgotten my Afrikaans. I used to share my testimony in Afrikaans in Pretoria. But uh, somehow I had to learn Arabic, I had to learn Ahamaric, and many other languages. So I lost my Afrikaans. But I can hear. You can't big bite me. <laughs> I can hear quite a lot. And, um, and I love Afrikaners very much because when I accepted Jesus, the first person who picked me up from the streets, from the bridge, was an Afrikaner. So that's why I like, I love Afrikaners. Uh, it was not a black man, it was not a pastor, but uh, a white missionary who picked me up from the bridge and the one who gave me my first bath for the first time. Because that time when I got saved, I was thinking. Real stinking. And uh, my hair was full of lice. And I had my shorts, which had the two windows at the back. And uh, I never worn shoes. Never been in school. Never knew how to read and write. So it was the first person in Africana missionary who picked me up from the bridge and gave me the first bed sheets and the first bath. Um, you should have been there to see the color of water. It was darker than me. <laughs> and uh, it was really horrible. You could see all the lights floating on the water. But uh, the Stephen you see now was made at the foot of the cross. And it's a brand new Stephen. The old things are gone. Although I had too much blood in my hands of killing people. But God, when he saves you, he real saves you. He doesn't do half job. He does a complete job. So if you have never seen a miracle in your life, I'm standing here as a miracle of the grace of God coming from darkness to light. And also it's a miracle to be here, to be among white people. Because before my salvation, you'd have been a target to kill. I hated the long nose very much. All the long nose I hated. Ooh. But I thank God that today I can sit as my brothers and sisters. Whether you like it or not, I love you too much. And uh, that's God, what God has done into my life. And I praise him and I give him all the glory and honor. But God, you know, takes a nobody uh, to make you a somebody. So don't ever look down upon yourself, whether you are a woman or a girl or a lady or or uneducated, God can use you. No matter who you are, 
God can use you. All what he wants is your availability. Your availability. Just hand over yourself to him. So to this morning, as I arrived yesterday coming from Malawi, um, I boarded a plane from Malawi a long way to Johannesburg, and I sat next to a young man, and as usual, you can never sit next to me without hearing the gospel. Uh, you have to, whether you like it or not, because I know this is a captivated audience. You can't run away. So, so I, try, I started talking to this young man. And uh, as I was talking, because uh, when we were given our breakfast, our meal, yeah, I saw him bowing down his head to pray. And I was impressed that a young man was praying for his meal. So I said, well, let me talk to him. Meanwhile, he's struggling in his spirit to talk to this man, meaning me, because he's, he looks familiar, but he can't tell who he is. So anyway, as I started talking to him, he, later when I told him who I was, man, the guy shouted in the plane, yes, yes. I said, he knows, knows, knows. <laughs> I said, yes. I said, why? He said, you know, when I was seven years old, you came to our parents' home, and you talked to me about Jesus. And at seven years, I accepted Jesus. And I was saying, I know this face. So, but I couldn't recognize you. And do you remember my father? I said, yeah, who is your father? And he says, my father is Stephen Abiong from uh, Ghana. He was the head of Transworld Radio. And uh, happened to visit their home. As usual, I don't. I always take the children of that house to talk to them because dad may not talk to them, but me as a visitor, I will talk to them about Jesus. So that's what happened. So we exchanged uh, um, our telephone numbers, emails, and so on. I want to continue communicating with him. He's on fire for God. And uh, go to Johannesburg and wanted to board my flight to Cape Town only to be told that uh, your flight has been cancelled and uh, it doesn't exist in the system. I said, what? But it is here, I showed them. I said, no, it has been cancelled and it doesn't exist. I said, how come? So now I'm stuck. I have no phone, no SIM card. I have no money to buy something to call CS. And I said, now what do I do? And you know, as a Christian, don't panic. So often we panic, or sometimes we get angry, bang the table. Poor girl doesn't know about the airline. She's just there to save you, but we shout at a wrong person. And so I was calm, and I said, well, in my spirit, what do I do? So I turned this out. I saw British Airways. So I went to British Airways. I said, I don't have money to pay for a ticket. Mine has been canceled, and here's my passport, and I'm talking to them, and he looks in his system. He said, oh, your name is here. I said, well, how come? I'm booked with Kulula. Now, how come my name is with British? And I said, oh, no, he, then here's a boarding pass, and I flew to here. <laughs> and so I'm here. <laughs> so praise the Lord. And we got home, 
nice house, beautiful house. It's a seven-star house. Yeah, other houses are five. But this one is seven. With the love of Jesus, their joy, their smile, it makes it seven. Seven-star house. I love it to bits. And uh, I was about to sleep at 10.30, and then I got a text message from Brother Sears. He said, Brother, can you preach on uh, the subject obedience and faith? I said, my goodness, the same old Sears. Very naughty. <laughs> so I had to work on the faith and obedience, which I'm going to talk about. So I worked on that message up to 1.30 a.m. this morning. And uh, I, I got blessed as I was uh, working on the message. I don't like preaching if the message hasn't blessed me, hasn't talked to me, and I haven't wept over it, and it, doesn't, it hasn't moved in my spirit. I don't like preaching on such a message. But God has to work in my life first before I present it to others. So that's what happened tonight, last night. I had my mini revival. My mini revival as I was studying this. So we'll be talking about faith and, I mean, obedience and faith. Obedience and faith. Are we together, church? I know you Africaners, you don't say amen quickly. You are like my church Presbyterian. You can't say amen. It's not allowed. Mm-mm. It's a taboo to say amen. Oh, praise God. Uh, yeah, I, I belong to the Presbyterian Church, which came from Stellenbosch to Nkoma Synod in Malawi, central region. That's where our church came originally. Andrew Mare was our founders of our church. Uh, Andrew Mare, Van der Merve, and all those old missionaries. And so I come... our root of our church from this area. And so I was disciplined three times because I had said amen in my church. And I was excommunicated because I had said hallelujah, which was strictly forbidden in the enchiacaric of those days. But now we are becoming, little revival is coming. eh? Amen. (laughs) Literary revival. So for three years, I had to attend church service by the window outside. And I preached at the marketplaces. Many people came to Christ in tears, broken before God. And I would bring them to the church. The number tripled, tripled in that church and became too small from the people I was bringing. But their preacher was outside. Eh? <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> So the preacher was outside, but I enjoyed staying there outside. People say, leave that dead church. There's no life. I said, no, if I leave, who will bring that life? So I've got to stay there to bring life in that same church. So we struggled for years. It wasn't easy. Wrote to the Synod letters about bringing the, these were not allowed. A guitar was not allowed. 
a keyboard was never allowed. And you couldn't clap hands. You couldn't say amen. But now we have got uh, the church is on fire more than the Pentecost. Um, Romans chapter 1. Let me begin there to talk about obedience and faith. Now, these two are interlocked. These two are married. These two words are together. You can't separate them. If you have obedience, it builds faith in you. If you have faith, it builds obedience. They work together. And they are like the two legs of a Christian. The two legs you walk with to your destination, to your blessing. If you want to reach to your blessing by God, you have got to walk with these two legs called obedience and faith. Right through the Bible, these were the two legs the great men and, and women of God used to walk to the blessing of God. Or coming from bondage of Egypt to the promised land. They had to use these two legs called obedience and faith. Because you can't have obedience and have that obedience, that doesn't create faith. Because obedience has to create faith in you. The more you obey God, the more your faith is built up. And it changes your level ground when you walk with these two things. It changes your level ground. So often Christians walk on the same ground, same level for years and years. And when you walk on the same level, you end up becoming those old records. You remember those LP records? We used to play them, put a needle, eh? Oh, and then we used to dance. And Africaners used to play with this accordion and what? And eat bultong as they are dancing. Uh, But, you know, you you can't enjoy it because when it plays too much, sometimes that record is a crack. When it's a crack, it doesn't play the whole song. It says, pass me, pass me, pass me, pass me. It doesn't continue with the song. It repeats the same thing. So, if you don't use obedience that builds faith, you become that cracked record. Because you repeat the same thing, and the way you read your Bible, it is the same way it doesn't make an impact in your life. It doesn't talk to you. When you read the Bible, it's like you are reading a newspaper. It doesn't make sense to you. Because now you are using head knowledge, Or if you have got a degree, you use a degree to interpret the word of God. It doesn't work that way. Obedience and faith, they work together. Are we together, church? You are looking at me as if I'm ugly, eh? (laughs) I'm the most handsome man in the world. My wife told me so, so I believe it. (laughs) Yeah, so Romans chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. Let's read. Through him, him, that's Jesus, through him and for him, through him, Jesus, and for him, not for you, but for him, and for his sake, we receive grace. Now, when you receive grace, 
that grace that saved you, you are born again, you became a Christian, you accepted Christ, and you received that grace. Don't work for it. It is a free gift. It is without any price. God has done it for you. You just receive it. Someone has worked for, for, for it. So you received grace. Now when you received that grace, you received also apostleship. When God saves you, he doesn't save you to sit down. Many Christians were saved and they sat on their sofas comfortably. Special rocking chairs, those turn around with a remote control. Ah, God has not saved you for that. In the Salvation Army, they write S and S. You are saved from your sins to go and serve others. He didn't save you to sit. But many people, they were saved and sat down. And he finished quiet. And they come to church every Sunday. They worship, we sing, we praise God. But you know, the more you do that, you become an illustration we give in Malawi. You become a river Nile cabbage. Those who have been in Uganda, you see this river Nile. It grows, it grows, it becomes bigger, 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 and bigger. And it floats on the water. And flows. When there's a little bit flood, it moves. It moves all the way to Egypt. And it takes about three months before it gets to Egypt. So many Christians, they come to church and float in the church. They become bigger and bigger, fatter and fatter spiritually, but doing nothing. Many Christians have been born again for two years, three years, but they've never won one soul to Jesus. They've never talked to someone about Jesus. How do you enjoy about this relationship with God? I mean, some of you have fallen in love with your wives. Oh, man, when you, the first day you proposed, you said yes. You know, for us men, we are looking for only two answers, yes or no. But the moment she says yes, you feel like flying. Man, you just want to say, brother, she has loved me. She's in love with me. You go to her, she's in love with me. You want to tell the whole world that she has loved you. It's, it's a miracle word. And for me, I was stopping everyone, my friends, you know she loved me. Because I've never been loved in my life. And she was the first girl who loved me. And although I had a bad background, a bad story, here is a girl with a, with a BA degree loving someone who has never been in school, who, has ne who didn't know how to speak English, who didn't know how to write even a one word. And yet, here is a graduate, she loves me, who had a bad background. Man, what do you say? You want to jump and tell the whole world. Oh, well. That do you know a graduate had loved me? <laughs> My English was so bad when I was proposing love to her. Je verb was going this way, adjective was going, noun was going this. Everything was mixed up. Bad English, and I was embarrassed. And when she said "Amen," I didn't know what to say next to her. I was so shy with her eyes. 
So I said, ah, man, she's looking at me too much. So I said, let's pray. And I prayed the longest prayer you have ever seen. Oh, because each time I was saying, if I say amen, now she looks at me, what would I say? I was so shy, but God has blessed us together. Now we clocked 50 years last December together. One wife. Man, I'm still kissing her. Wow. Oh, she's a lovely woman, a godly woman, a woman of prayer. And I, I survive in my ministry because of a time of prayer. She's a woman of prayer, an intercessor. And I thank God. I, I, I get the strength from her. But also she criticizes when she sees any pride in me. She rebukes me. Now, rebuke from a wife is very good, although it's painful. But you, you thank God. Because you kneel down. When you kneel down, you say, honey, can you pray for me? So she lays hands on me. That's why I've lost all my hair. And uh, so some of you still have got hair. You need to ask her to pray for you. <laughs> but also, I was the only one for about six years who was always apologizing. Every time we did, even if she was wrong, I did the apologize. I took the department of apologize, asking for forgiveness. Every time. And one day my wife said, honey, even if it's me who has done wrong, why do you always apologize? I said, honey, I want peace. <laughs> Simple, I want peace. <laughs> because women, they continue talking, there's no peace. <laughs> so you apologize, it finish, you kneel down, she prays for you, it's done. <laughs> Rather win the wife than win the argument. Many people win the argument with their baritone voice. So the wife keeps quiet, then you have lost her. You have lost her. So it's better to win the wife and lose the argument. Amen? Yeah, I see men looking at me. No. That's not in Africans' <laughs> vocabulary. <laughs> well, it's in the Christian vocabulary. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Romans 1, it says, um, and you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus when God has given you all your sins. You belong to God when he has cleansed you with his precious blood. You, do you don't belong to Jesus because you have been baptized or you come to Shofar. But you belong to Jesus because you came to Jesus. You said, Jesus, forgive me all my sins. And God forgives you for his name's sake. He doesn't forgive you because you have asked for forgiveness. He forgives you for his name's sake. Because his jealousy of his name. He loves his holiness. He loves who he is. So by not forgiving you, he will lose his holiness. So he is forced because of his name's sake, because of his holiness, to forgive you. So you have no, no excuse for not coming to God to ask for forgiveness. Because when he forgives you, he takes your sins and throws them at his back. Now, this God fills the heavens and the earth. 
So when he throws your sins at the back, that means eternity. Forever they are gone. Are we together? They are gone. So that begins by obedience in Christ. Example, Jesus as a young boy, in Luke chapter 2, verse 51. In Luke chapter 2, verse 51, Jesus as a young boy obeyed his parents as a little young boy. Obeyed his parents. Remember when they meet, met in the temple and so on. He obeyed his parents. As an adult, as an adult in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, as an adult, he being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. That type of obedience. You are so obedient up to death. Come what may, I will obey this master. People who are slaughtered in Iran, Christians. I saw a clip, video clip, a a small young girl of eight years, ten soldiers, raping this eight, six-year-old girl. The brutality. And you close that clip because of the screaming of that girl. That screaming of that girl. The brutality. But it is obedient. Come what may, I will not forsake Jesus. That little girl, they were telling her, if you don't forsake Jesus, we will rape you. She was screaming, come what may, I will obey Jesus. If such kind of persecution came here, would you stand? Would you stand? You know, in Romania, uh, Mr. Rich, Reverend Richard Wurmbrandt once told us, in a house there was a prayer meeting, about 15 people there, soldiers came, communist soldiers, with their rifles. Yeah, we are going to kill all of you here. You are going to die because you believe in Jesus. Those who don't want to die go out. And about the rest went out, only three remained. Only three said, we are ready to die. And these soldiers put their guns down and said, we are also born again. We wanted to remove those who don't believe. (laughs) And so they started worshiping God with the true believers. With true believers. So obedience to the word of God, even unto death, Jesus followed the Father and humbled himself even unto death and the death on the cross. So obedience and faith is like the two legs, as I've said earlier on, of Christian life, where you walk to your destiny. It's in a journey. You have the obedience. If you have the obedience without faith, then you are cheating yourself because these don't separate. So in a situation of obedience and faith, you are dealing with God first. Your obedience to God will help you to obey even sideways. In your marriage, in, at your place of work, at church, you obey. Because you have learned to obey God and faith in God, so you have no problem to be obedient at the place of work or at home, in your family. You have no 
problem of obeying because you have started with God first. And so, here in Genesis chapter uh, 22, Genesis chapter 22, let's see the life of Abraham together. Are we together? You must come to Malawi, you will learn to say, Amen. Oh, man, we shout for Jesus. Hey, okay, some are afraid whether they will be disciplined. Eh? <laughs> Shopper doesn't discipline at all. Yeah, so Genesis chapter 22, let's go together quickly. God comes to Abraham and says to Abraham, Abraham, in verse 1, he was testing Abraham. When you have got obedience and faith, and when you say, Jesus, I love you too much, that love will be tested. Don't think that because you say, I love Jesus too much, God is going to test that love you express to God. God has tested me many times where I travel and preach. Many people, when they see an evangelist like me, they think we are not tested. God tests. Well, one day I was sleeping in, uh, in California. I slept at a pastor's home. I won't mention his, uh, his, his church. But I stayed in their home. But the, the husband was working, uh, the pastor was working at the bank. And he would leave early in the morning. And I would have the, his wife. And uh, so she would do, make breakfast for me. But this particular day, she comes in my bedroom with a see-through dress, almost transparent, you could see everything. And she comes to my bed with a cup of coffee. I said, Mom, I don't drink coffee in the morning. I'd rather spend time for coffee to pray and read my Bible. I said, no, no, you, you need to take coffee. You, it makes you fresh. I said, no. So she came and sat next to my bed. Ooh, then... That's where you start having malaria. Oh, malaria. Oh, hey, this malaria, oh, it, when it catches you, you fall. Are we together, man? Yeah. It's better to run away when there's this temptation of sex. Don't pray. Never pray. Never pray the temptation of sex. Run. Are we together? Run. Use your two legs to run. Are we together? Because when you start praying and she's holding you, I have any further. Okay. No, you don't pray. Run. Like Joseph, he ran for his life, left his jacket. Run. The sin of sex, run, don't stop. So I had to rebuke this pastor's wife not to talk to her. I got so angry that day she saw that I was angry. Now, we black people, when we become angry, we become pitch black. <laughs> I was angry with her and I chased her like a demon. Get out like a demon because she was a demon to me. So she went out, and I called my office in L.A. I said, take me to the, to the hotel. So I moved to the hotel, running away. My, my love for Jesus was tested. 
in New York as they bang at the door. A young 19-year-old white girl came to me, jumped through my hands, and I looked in the corridor who was chasing her. I looked this way, that way, that way. There was nobody chasing her. And when I turned to talk to her, she was completely naked on my bed. She says, have sex with me. And I went to the next bed, pulled it out, and went backwards. The first look is not seen. But when you look at the second time, it's a seen. Are we together? <laughs> the first look is not seen. But we say, let me look at the second time. It becomes seen because you record it. So I threw the cover bed over her, wrapped her, forced her out of the hotel room and put the chain. All her clothes, the white shoes, they were following later. <laughs> you are tested in your Christian faith. So here, Abraham, God comes to him and says, Abraham says, yes, sir. Take your only son. Listen, God was emphasizing to Abraham, your only son, whom you what you love. Can you imagine the boy he bore at 100 years? Maybe he was waiting for 60 years to have a child. Then that's when God says, go and give me your only son. Now, what God is doing <coughs> is coming to God like my brother, emphasizing in his heart, your only one son. Number two, the one you love. He, he loved that boy. When you bear the child at your old age, you have so much passion for that child. The only one, the one you love. Said, go and sacrifice him for me. Hey, Whew. my I know my brother. What you'd have done if it were here in Stellenbosch? You know what you'd have done? You'd have called all his relatives for a meeting, conference first, <laughs> to discuss about this. Do you know what God has said? I must go and give my son. <laughs> and there would be a committee secretary <laughs> and all that. But you no, know, Abraham doesn't do that. The Bible says, next morning, next morning, after he was done, he gathered the wood, enough, enough wood, enough wood. When you want to sacrifice my brother, my sister, gather enough wood. And you know that wood is going to burn your own child, the only son you love. But you gather enough wood. Abraham was doing all this in obedience to God. God is the one who has given me this child. God is the one who has created this child. So for his name's sake, I'm going to give him. So painful. But you know, he doesn't have a committee meeting. He doesn't tell his wife, honey, you know what? Because the wife would have been crying the African way. You white people, you don't know how to cry. <laughs> Come to African funerals, you know how to cry. <laughs> hey, you have to hold African women. Hey, 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 hey. I want to go in the grave. I want to go in the grave. I said, oh, if you let her, she doesn't go. <laughs> no, African women, they cry because the woman would have cried. 
I've waited and born this child in my old age. No, you can't. But Abraham didn't tell her, didn't tell the servants, didn't tell the son. The son was even carrying the wood which was going to use upon him. Abraham walks three days. Three days, it means. First day, you are still thinking, you can turn around. Second day, you are still thinking, you can turn around. Even the third day, he's still going. That's obedience to God. If you are tested in such a situation in your Christian faith, would you walk for three days? Would you walk for three days? But when he goes there, then Abraham says, over there. He saw the place over there. My brother, my sister, you need to have a place which you call over there. If you don't have that place, you won't obey God enough. You must have a place over there. You know, the devil doesn't stop you to come to Shofar. No. He says, go to Shofar. He has never stopped anyone to become a pastor, to become an evangelist, to become a deacon or, or worship team. No, the devil has never stopped anybody. He says, go to Shofar. Go to that church. Go to Angria, to Baptist. Go and be a pastor, a bishop. Go. We have many bishops now. We have got many prophets. The devil doesn't stop them. Where he doesn't want you to go, it is over there to the cross. Over there to the cross. He doesn't want you to go as far as the cross. Because when you get to the cross, all your fears are dealt with. All your problems are dealt with. All your anxieties are dealt with. All your arguments in the home are dealt with. God deals with everything in your soul. In your, which, that thing which you are struggling with, God deals with it. Let me come to a close. In Africa, we close many times. But here, this is Africana closing. <laughs> Because in Africana, he means it. When, when we are in the bush, we say, kill every white man. But if you find a very good Africana, don't kill him. When we are in the bush in the war with Robert Mugabe, you see British, all British kill them straight away. No mercy. You find Americans, kill them straight away. But you find a good Africana, spare him. You know what? Africana has no middle line. When he means he hates you, he means it. When he says he loves you, an Africana means it. He has no middle line in Africana. Do you understand what I say? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An Africana doesn't have a middle line. When he hates you, he means it. And he doesn't pretend. Unlike Africanas, they don't pretend. British, they will say, Oh, brother in the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Inside, they said, Oh, oh I wish it <laughs> Americans, they will come, How, oh, brother, how are you doing good, eh? <laughs> but he doesn't mean it. But an African is not like that. When he says, I hate you, you must believe him. He means it. But when he says, I love you, he means it. Are we together? So, 
Abraham goes there and says, the place over there. My brother, you must have a place, my sister, a place over there where you can put your sacrifice. Sacrifice the thing you love most. Is it your car, your house, your degree? Or what is it? Your fears, your problems inside, your quarrels in your home, over there. And when you take that problem over there, God deals with it. And your level of Christianity will come from this place to a higher place. When you are on the higher place, you will be unstoppable. You will be unstoppable. And I remember when I came to Jesus. It was on Sunday. I went in that big tent with my AK-47 with my landmines and bombs and hand grenades. I didn't go there to hear the word of God. I went there to kill everyone. Especially there were also white people. I just wanted to kill everyone because they all believed in Jesus. But when I went there, I hid the message of Jesus. And that night, in tears broken before God, I came forward with my AK-47 and knelt down I heard, I obeyed, I responded. I heard, when I heard, I responded the word to the word. And I came. If I had not obeyed that word, I wouldn't have been here today. I wouldn't have gone around the world. I wouldn't have preached to White House. I wouldn't have preached in Parliament or many universities. I obeyed the word of God. That obedience created my faith in Christ. And I was unstoppable from that day. And following day, the same word says, go to the police and surrender yourself. I said, God, they are going to kill me. He said, I will be with you. And I obeyed the word. And got in the bus. Started sharing my testimony in the bus. Many people started crying. I was only less than 24 hours in Christ. 15 people came to Jesus. Because from that day on, I was unstoppable. There's no way you, you, can, you can obey the word of God, have faith in God, and zip your mouth. No way. You can't zip your mouth because you have seen too much of his goodness in your life. When you see too much of his goodness, you are unstoppable. So I went to the police and I shared, I told them how many people I'd killed. And after... Eight hours, they forgave me. Said, if your Jesus has forgiven you, we forgive you too. Huh? <laughs> Heaven forgave me, the government for, But because I heard the word, I obeyed, created faith in me. That's why Abraham says, hey, the wood we have, the fire we have, the knife we have. The son asked, where is the lamb? He said, God will provide. But where before he climbed, he told his servants, wait here, stay here, we will come back to you. But he was going to kill his son. He was, he would have said, he should have said, I will come back to you. But he says, we. He was obeying with the faith that come what may, I will still come with my son. He says, God will provide. Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. And as I close, I was sharing about the story 
of Peter in the boat when he saw Jesus. He says, bid me to come. He says, come. You know what happened? Look. Look at Peter in our minds. Let's look at him. He says, come. Look at him. He takes his leg out. When he moves his leg out into the water, that's obedience. Because the word says, come. He moves out the water, the leg in the water, another leg again out, and he steps on water. And when he was walking on water, it was not water carrying Peter. No, it was faith. Obedience built faith to walk on water. Are we together? When you obey, faith is built inside you. Like the blind man in John chapter 9. And when he put the mud, he says, go and wash at the pool of Syria. Syrian. And he goes to wash. But he leaves this place quite a distance. I've been there. Quite a distance as he was going there. But from here to there, he was working in obedience. That was building his faith for his healing. Many people, they say, ah, is it going to happen? Is it going to? No. Begin walking. <laughs> when you begin walking, the rest believe it to God. Because that obedience is going to build your faith inside you. The woman says, if I can only touch the hem of Jesus, my blood of issue will, be, will stop. But she just says, if only. No, she, what she did is, if only. She stretches out her hand in the crowd and touches the hem of Jesus. Immediately she's healed. Action in obedience builds faith. Maybe you are here this morning. You have been struggling with issues in your life. Just obey God. How many times God has been speaking to you? And you have been stubborn sometimes, arrogant sometimes. God, this is embarrassing to do that. No. When you obey God, it was embarrassing for Abraham. The one child they've been waiting for too long. And if he had told the community, said, you are stupid, you are fool. How can you do that? No. He obeyed God. In obedience, he doubled his blessings. Amen? He doubled his blessings. He became a friend of God. So, brother, sister, maybe you are struggling. You have never accepted Jesus like I did that night. I stood up in obedience to the word. And when I walked forward, it was in obedience to the word. When I was walking coming from where I was coming forward, I knew it was a, a terrible thing to walk away from my gang because they were going to kill me. The gorilla fighters were going to kill me. My gang was going to kill me. But I said, come what may. I've heard the word of God. I'm going forward. But you know, out of the 42 gang members were only two people who survived. Only two. The rest were sentenced to death. Some died, killed in the streets. Some got mental sick and so on. But just two of us who took that obedience to the word of God, we survived up today. My colleague who came to the Lord last year passed on in, in Masingo, and I went to bury my, my friend. But you know, my obedience is what has kept me today because of my faith in the Lord who keeps me. May God bless you.
Danke, dass ihr noch geleistet habt. Als Prieke ist beskikbar bei Schaufar TV. Besuch www.schaufaronline.tv, um mit auf der Leute.